1: Hi, can I help you find something? Librarians specialize in helping you find what you were looking for, and sometimes what you didn't know you were looking for. Thank you for joining me as I talk to my guests about all things library, including the books inside them. I'm Julie Chavez, and this is Ask a Librarian. Cassine Gaines is an author, director, educator, and popular culture historian. His work has received praise from media outlets around the world, including The New York Times, The Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, NPR, and The Hollywood Reporter. He holds a master's degree from Rutgers University in American studies, where he focused on racial representations in popular culture and, in addition to writing, is co-artistic director of a nonprofit theater company he founded in 2005. He's also a high school English teacher in New Jersey, where he has taught for 16 years. His latest book, When Broadway Was Black, the triumphant story of the all-black musical that changed the world, was published in February, 2023. It is the expanded and revised edition of Footnotes, the Black artists who rewrote the rules of the Great White Way, which was released in May 2021 for the centennial of the groundbreaking Broadway musical Shuffle Along. Here is my conversation with Cassine. Hi, Cassine. Thanks so much for being with me today. Thank you. Thank
0: you so much for having me.
1: It's a pleasure to have you here. I loved your book. It was such a fantastic read, and I'm so glad that we get to speak about it today because I think it's timely and important and also just a really good story. So I'm so glad that I can share it here today.
0: Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I'd like to start if we could, I feel like the story really starts in a theater in 2016 for you, Mm. but I would like to talk about how you got to that theater. So I feel like the best place to start for that is like your birth story. And then we'll just move through, you know, every moment of your childhood and <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> maybe in most embarrassing moments. And then, you know, perfect. We'll find ourselves there. But Great. I'm just curious, what were you doing when you found yourself in the theater in 2016?
0: So this is, it's such a weird story that I I don't even explain in the introduction because it's it's so convoluted, but I'll try and streamline it. Love it. I actually was, I'm a theater educator and I was a part of a professional development experience where I was a part of a workshop and inclusive of that, we were going to four Broadway shows. I didn't know what those shows were going to be. So one of those shows was Hamilton. One of those shows was On Your Feet. One of those shows was Shuffle Along. And so I inadvertently ended up going to Shuffle Along the day before the show closed on Broadway. And if I hadn't been just, you know, a part of this PD experience, I I never would have seen it. And it's quite remarkable that way.
1: Wow, that's amazing. And that's a really good ad for professional development, which since I work in a school, I know teachers are like, "Um, no, thank you. Could you just give me the day off?
0: Right. (laughs) (laughs) And it was during the summer, too. So, oh, I mean, it was, yeah, yeah. You get
1: bonus points for that,
0: my <laughs> friend. That's but look like, what came from it. Look that's from exactly
1: it. right. It all worked out. Okay, so you find yourself in the theater there. And just, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of give... Readers or my listeners, kind of a sense of what you talk about in the introduction, you know, the- sure.
0: So, I actually went to see the show Shuffle Along or the Making of the Musical Sensation of 1921 and all that followed. So, nice, yes, you know, concise title, beautiful production <laughs> by George C. Wolf. Audrey McDonald was in it, Billy Porter's in it, and I was in the audience watching the show, enjoying it, learning, and the act 1 finale was the song i'm just wild about harry and mm-hmm. like immediately i was so struck because I knew that. I was so well acquainted with this song. I took a number of film courses in college. So I'd seen the jazz singer and I had a bunch of like Al Jolson downloaded onto my iPod. Um, So I, so I knew that I'd seen, you know, Daffy Duck perform it. I'd seen Michigan J. Frog perform it, Judy Garland, but I never associated the song with black performers and black composers and certainly not from the first all black musical to become a sensation shuffle along. So I was kind of excited to hear the song, but then also I felt like, wait, why didn't I know this? You know, there was sort of this, it was a very weird experience. Actually, I was excited and then it was immediately kind of like almost anger that I was Mm. so familiar with this thing. And yet in no way, familiar with its history. And once I got home and started to kind of learn more about the history of this musical and realizing that it had significant impact beyond Broadway, um, it was Josephine Baker's first professional credit when she was just a teenager. Langston Hughes chose to attend Columbia University because he wanted to see shuffle along in New York. And he actually credits the show with kickstarting the Harlem Renaissance. Um, The show was so successful that it actually changed the traffic patterns of New York. So I, I just was so fascinated. And I felt like, you know, if if myself as a theater educator and as a Black theater enthusiast had never heard of this show, there must be other people that haven't heard about it as well that would also find the story, not only of the making of the show, but also I think it's sort of disappearance from history, interesting as well.
1: Yes, I think that that is a. Gosh, you did a really good job with those talking points. I have to say that was perfect. (laughs) Nailed it. Okay, we're done here. So I'll talk to you later. No, I really appreciate that summation of it because I think that's just such a testament to why it's important and why this is a book that so many people will not only enjoy but benefit from because it is this question that we don't often ask, which is especially when it comes to art, that, okay, this is lovely. You know, you're watching Judy Garland sing something or whatever it is, and then it's, but where did this come from? We don't always take the time to trace it back to its origins and find out where where it started and what might have been erased along yeah. the way. So I really I, appreciate that. Continue, go.
0: No, I was just going to say, you know, it's it's one of the things I've been thinking about a lot, um, not only in the writing of the book, but also I think in the, the talking about the book, to be honest with you. Yeah. Is... This idea of kind of like cultural memory or um like social memory. i don't I don't know what the, you know, someone I'm sure has coined some term for what I'm describing. Yes, um, but it's kind of fascinating to me the ways in which things kind of disappear. And I'll even think about, like, when I was younger, I remember, you know, like the Beatles, like I'm that's before my time, but certainly like the Beatles were this band that I knew as a kid were really important and really influential. And yes. I think like, do, do kids of today even have that same level of reverence for the Beatles? Like, you know, people like grew up, 30 or 40 years before them did. Still before both of our times, you know? Yes, yes. I don't know. I'm I'm sort of fascinated by this. And then also thinking about the ways in which we kind of archive our social history. You know, Shuffle Along is from 1921. So it predates cast albums. It -hmm. certainly predates talking, moving pictures. It predates, you know photography being able to be taken of the actual show. There are stills and sort of pose shots, but absent those things, it's easy for any show, you know, prior to like, you know, the 1940s almost mm-hmm. to, to be really cataloged in, in the same sort of way that, you know, shows are today. So I don't know. It's, it's just sort of a question that I, I grapple with it a little bit towards mm-hmm. the end of the book, yes. but I think it's something that I've, really been thinking a lot about, um, and Shuffle Along ends up being a case study for it, not necessarily like the only example of it, certainly.
1: Yes. That makes a lot of sense. How do we preserve our cultural memory or how do we, yeah, what, I mean, we talk about what stories get told, but that's a really interesting question that you raise. How do we, and also how do we go backward to explore more of that that was lost during that time before it was so easy to archive things.
0: Yeah. You don't know what's what's been lost, you know? No,
1: gosh. That's the sort of stuff I'll be thinking about in the middle of the night, right? Where it's like, <laughs> yes. oh my gosh, but what's been lost? It just, it really <laughs> is. But I love that this has not been. And so I want to talk a little bit about the process of writing the book. So when I read a little bit about you, well, let's start here. First of all, I loved this quote that you had exhibited some muscular reporting. (laughs) And I was like, well, hey, oh, let's go. So that was amazing. Were you writing at the time also? Because obviously you're doing professional development, you're a theater educator. Were you writing on the side? How did you decide, okay, this needs to be a book.
0: Yeah, it, it sort of grew out of me thinking really about diversity on Broadway in kind of a, a broad sense. Yes. And then it seemed like I kept wanting to go back to Shuffle Along, and then it just kind of grew into a project almost singularly about Shuffle Along, or at least with Shuffle Along at the nucleus of it. Yes. Okay. But, you know, I was writing. Really, during the summers, you know, I do teach um as well. So mm-hmm. I write after school, I write before school, I write uh, during the summer. And believe it or not, you know i I was staring down the barrel of a deadline that there was no way in the world that I was going to make, no way <laughs> in the world. I had a um, I love I a, that
1: game <laughs> yeah,
0: no, believe me, oh my God, let me tell you, it's a game i it's a game I play too often. And I had a September twenty twenty deadline. Okay. And then in March of 2020 when everything slowed down, I had like a completely free lane. I mean, I was still teaching, but of course, you know, that that looked very different. Right. And so, you know, I I just had time. I was living in my office, um quite literally, um waking up way too early in the morning, then doing school still at the same desk, and then, you know, just writing until you know ten, eleven o'clock at night. and it it was amazing because um not only did i did I blow past my word count on the on the um on the manuscript, but i I think also absent just sort of like the normal life distractors. Besides, obviously, you know, all of the anxiety of the world yes. <laughs> crumbling down in 2020. Yes. And then, of course, a lot of the, you know, the racial justice and, and yes. you know, all of that aspect. But I still ended up having more time than, um, than I normally would have to kind of dedicate to this. So I was thankful in that regard.
1: That makes sense. It sounds like it carved out a space for you, yeah. albeit in a way that wasn't ideal.
0: Yeah, right. right <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. So... You started writing it. Now, the title changed at one point, correct? Mm-hmm. Now, what was that process like? Do you mind discussing
0: yeah, no, that? No, 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 no. Okay. So, I mean, so it's it's interesting because it's it's quite unconventional, you know, for a book to, to be retitled. Obviously, there were always plans to release it in paperback. Mm-hmm. And when I was writing the book, the hardcover version of the book, again, it was the, the height of the pandemic. And yeah. I think the biggest thing that influenced... The last chapter of the book was I really wanted to have a conversation with the reader about the current state of Broadway, but I didn't really know much about the current state of Broadway because it was dark. Mm. While I was writing, you know, everything had shut down. In fact, when the book was released, it was still dark. Like, I couldn't believe it. Like, I actually thought. And in fact, if you look at the acknowledgments of the hardcover version of the book, it says, like, you know, I'm sure Broadway will be reopened by the time, you know, this is in your hands. And it, it wasn't the case when the book first came out. Yes. So, after... We had so many things happen on Broadway in terms of renaming theaters after Black actors. You had a number of shows that were actually rewritten, like Book of Mormon. You had A Strange Loop winning Best Musical and things like that. And it seemed like even just in the period of time between the hardcover and paperback, there was an opportunity to sort of update that last chapter. So I asked if I could, and I was, mm-hmm. given, you know, I was given the okay. And then I also, um, while I was there, said, "Can I write a new introduction?" And they said, "Okay." And then since they already had, you know, I had already, it, you know, it was like the if you give a mouse a cookie, right? Like totally. I well, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So I um. So then I I asked, well, you know, can I go in and add a little bit throughout because what was funny people that read the hardcover then would email or DM me, or in some cases, literally mail me things that were like newspaper articles that they had from, you know, 60, 70 years ago. I mean, like, honestly, the most amazing things. And so th- there wasn't a lot of it throughout the book, but I would say there are maybe 2,000 or so, like, you know, words added to the middle of the book. And so because yeah. we we ended up making so many kind of, changes around the contours of the book um it seemed appropriate to differentiate it from the original version of the book so the way that I sort of describe it for people is it's like the special edition of the hardcover book. You know, it's like when Lord of the Rings came out yes. and then they went back and added a half hour of new material. You can you can pick up the hardcover, yes. but I think the definitive version of the book is the paperback when Broadway was black. Yes. That's, you know, that's sort of the way I feel about it. I know that it's an odd thing a little bit, but I also feel like it is important to kind of make a distinction. And luckily, you know, my, my publisher yeah. agrees.
1: Well, so. I love that that happened because I think it speaks to to what we were talking about earlier, which is this, you know, how do we archive and record what was lost and what we don't have? And because we have, you know, increased access with the internet and people that can DM you and send you things, Mm -hmm. you know, you really did create um, something that that was more accurate, more true. And I love that that process happened because it really does speak to exactly what you're talking about, which is kind of this enriching of, our knowledge of the past and being able to say, oh, there was more I could have included here and then actually doing that.
0: Yeah, I think the other thing too, and, you know, this this I didn't realize until, you know, you, you start speaking to people about the book. Sure. Is while I loved the the title of the hardcover, which was Footnotes. And it yes. really was, was centering on kind of the fact that these amazing performers had sort of been, you know, marginalized um, over time. I I found, frankly, I think that a lot of the conversations I was having about the book were centered on like their disappearance from history as opposed to kind of celebrating the amazing things that they had accomplished. And so I think the reframing of it from footnotes to when Broadway was Black and sort of like saying, we're going to look at this period of time and that's where we're going to put our focus. Even though, you know, 95% of the book is the same. I just think it, it makes people think differently about the project. And so that I think to me was also, it emerged as being important um, over time.
1: Yes. I love that. The idea that our language, even something like a title that it, directs your focus. And you're right. I wouldn't have thought of that, but you're exactly right. That saying footnotes is you're focusing on kind of the the relegation as opposed yeah. to the promotion of what this season meant to Broadway and to New York, it sounds like, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm just glad that we had the opportunity to to do that you know I know that books are are kind of you know they're frozen in time you know in a strange sort of way so as unconventional as it was I really um, I can't express enough how thankful I am to my publisher for for being game you know (laughs) to to do that
1: a hundred percent well they get uh I will send them some cookies
0: there you go great (laughs) wonderful I'm really. I should, I should too, probably, I guess. <laughs> it's fine. We'll do it from both of us. We'll okay. send him a crumble gift you. card and we'll be P- good put to Put my go. name on the card, please. Yes.
1: Thank you. <laughs> Write me in there because I'm super busy talking about this book. <laughs> I don't have time. So I wanted to ask you a little bit. I think you do a really good job of, obviously, we have Hamilton to compare to in some ways. What do you think that when people think of shuffle along? How do we set that in a modern context? Would it be like a Hamilton? Would it be something else? I mean, how would you, if you were pulling it to now, what would it look like?
0: Yeah, I I think it would absolutely be a Hamilton. I think that is that is absolutely the apt comparison. And I would say maybe I would split that a little bit with like Rent. Mm. And I, I would say, you know, the thing that was unique about Shuffle Along was that it was the first time that, the sounds of the culture,
1: Mm -hmm. came
0: into a Broadway theater. It was a jazz and ragtime score that was also kind of fused with a traditional European operetta score, um, probably about like an 80-20 split. And so when you had um, characters on stage that were like suffragette characters, and I'm talking like one year after women were given the right to vote really more white women were given the franchise but um you know on paper yes, at least yes, uh, yes. you know women um <laughs> given the right to vote when you know you have a, a political satire mm. in a all black town with an all black show um, that is predating Selma by you know 30 something years yeah you know, there there was a lot about the show that was quite sort of progressive and really speaking to the day. Um, so in that aspect, I would say it, it, that little touch of it is kind of like rent-esque to me. But I think what was the most significant thing about it is just how widely popular this show was. I mean, mm-hmm. Shuffle Along had three touring companies at one point, all going at the same time to various areas of the United States, including the Deep South with an all-Black show. I mean, that's just sort of an amazing thing. Um, You know, it was written about almost daily. Um, Sometimes people ask, you know, like, where did you find this information? How did you find so much for the book? And the way that I sort of describe it is, imagine if 100 years from now, Mm -hmm. someone was writing a biography on Oprah. (laughs) I mean, like, like they, like they, they would have everything. they, They would just need to find the right places to pull that information, but there would be no shortage of information. Right. You would just have to figure out how to carve out a good story. And that was actually my, my issue. I had so much information. I just had to figure out like, where's, where's the narrative here? So I can't stress how much the creators of Shuffle Along, Yumi Blake, Noble Sissel, Floynoy Miller, Aubrey Lyles, they were written about so much. They were international mm. celebrities the top Black performers of the early portion of the 1920s. And yeah, so I think Hamilton is a very apt comparison, especially since those creators that I just mentioned, they all had multiple Broadway shows they contributed to, not just Shuffle Along as well. Amazing. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot.
1: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I really like that you brought up rent because it does sound like the, I love Hamilton, but the cultural side of rent, I remember when that came out just being, it was so revolutionary at the time and so different. So yeah. I like that. That uh,
0: that makes a lot of sense to me.
1: Oh, so now, do you like doing research? I love it.
0: I love do you? it. I I think I boy maybe I love it more than I love the writing. I don't know. I mean, I just it's exciting to me. I, yeah. And I um, you know, there are still specific things like in this book that I can remember being excited when I found them. Um, one of the things that's not in the book, but I but I remember, I, I couldn't find, there was no good way to work it in, but yeah, there's a historical society in Baltimore, Maryland that has all of UV Blake's papers, and it's all beautifully cataloged. Mm. And I was looking through this folder, and literally you could just paste through it. Every single piece of paper was, you knew what this was, knew what this was, knew what this was, and then when I got to the end of the folder, there was this bundle of papers that weren't in the catalog. And I looked, and they were all of these adulterous love notes.
1: My goodness. And and
0: I was like, they're just here in the, like, like, they're not cataloged. They're just here in this folder. Like, you know, what's going on here? And I read through them, and some of them were, you know, were, qu- were quite interesting. Ooh. And um, But, you know, I, I was just like, this is fascinating. You know, it's like, it's reconstructing, a life, you know, quite literally. And that's, that's exciting to me.
1: That's such a beautiful way to think of it. And you're so right. I, whenever I speak to people that are big history researchers, that is what amazes me is not the necessarily the overarching pieces that we know of the narrative, but the individual lives, the fullness of these people that lived at that time. I just, that's a mind blowing idea for me. So the idea that you got to see kind of behind the curtain of what that was. Yeah. I what else was there anything else that you couldn't work in that you were like, oh rats. <laughs> you
0: know what there's you know, there was one thing and this I I probably I I maybe regret a little bit that I didn't work this in. Okay. But I felt like I was pushing my luck a little bit with all of the edits for the paperback. So I so I so I did I didn't work this in. How much do I want them to hate me? (laughs) Exactly. And they gave me, oh my gosh, let me tell you something. I really now I do have to make them cookies because they they gave me like, okay, you can add like 10 pages. And I was like, okay, well, what about 12?
1: What about
0: what about a little, just a tiny bit more? A little bit, uh, please, some more. <laughs> but there was one thing that I found that really, and I think it speaks so much to to what we've been talking about. Yeah, where it was a, a letter that I found from Floyd Roy Miller, who was one of the book writers of Shuffle Along, to U.B. Blake, who was the composer. Yes, and this was from the 1950s, and the letter was Floyd Roy Miller telling Yubi Blake about this book that he had just seen called Musical Theater. I think it came out in 1949. You can see used copies of it are, are available on Amazon. And it was a, a book that purported to tell the history of musical theater in this country. Okay, And he was frustrated, Miller was frustrated, mm-hmm. because... In this musical theater history book, it said that Shuffle Along ran for 49 performances, even though it ran for 504 performances. It said that it was a minor hit on Broadway, even though it was an international hit. And Miller was was saying, you know, do we demand a retraction? Do we demand a reprint? Like, what do we do? People are going to read this book and they're not going to know. This was in... You know, this book was published in the late 1940s. And so when you think about just in a, you know, a less than 30-year period Mm -hmm. that these creators were already starting to see themselves be written out of or reduced in history and them struggling to make their peace with that or not knowing necessarily what to do about that. It was something that was like a a really heartbreaking thing to find. And um, I think, you know, besides the fact that I pushed my luck, I think narratively, I I think by that point in the book, the point had sort of been made, but I do think there's something sort of beautifully sad about the fact that, you know, they were aware of it in real time as well.
1: That is heart-wrenching to think about, that you would be looking in black and white at print that was wrong, and you know it's wrong, and there's, non- yeah, that frustration, gosh, that, it, that makes sense. Well, when you write the uh, next edition to the paperback, <laughs> when you change the title again, I think oh it's going to be great. Oh, my gosh. More cookies. Right. <laughs> yeah. When Broadway was back 2.0. That's it. Yes. I mean, it, you can be like, look, it's easy. You just put, you know, the sequel <laughs> right
0: on there. and Just put a sticker or something. Yes, you know, they, they do it all the time, totally. you know, New York Times bestseller. Just put a sticker on it. You know, that's all.
1: <laughs> this book is different. And I'm yes. just slapping on and keep, this is the one
0: you want. Yes. <laughs> this, uh, yes. <laughs> that <laughs> was our plan all along. Every <laughs> <Yes>. six months. <laughs> Just keep them in your. You're on plans. to us. <laughs> oh.
1: When you so in as part of your research, even and reading those letters and things, what was there? One of the people that you researched that surprised you the most, or that you found that was very different than you had imagined them to be when you began.
0: Yeah, I think I I really kind of fell in love with Floynoy Miller, who I was just talking about. And I think it's because, I mean, I don't know, well, for a couple of reasons. I think one is, and this isn't just unique to shuffle along, but I think any musical, typically what lives on is the music and the book sort of fades away, you know, over time. And so I was just sort of more familiar with Cicely and Blake just going into this project. Mm -hmm. And I really had to search for information on Miller and Lyles, but I ended up finding a unpublished memoir that he had started to write. He didn't, you know, it was just sort of like fragments of things, pieces of stories and, you know, just bits. And um, there was so much color in his writing. And so it was so kind of, I think, poetic in a sense. Mm. I think it sort of, you know, was great to is inspirational in a sense in, in writing his character, but then also, you know, he was a part of the comedic duo in the show. And he was a black man who was a black face comedian. Hmm. And I think that, you know, even though we, we all kind of know better, I think that sometimes when we look at actors at that time, over a century ago, that, that wore blackface or even if they didn't even if they you know perpetuated racial stereotypes or things like that I think sometimes we think like, well, you know, if they're doing this, they're you know willing to debase themselves, and they certainly probably aren't very educated, or they aren't you know interested in uh, you know moving the race forward and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, that just wasn't him at all. You know, he was a college-educated person, went to Fisk University. Um, so did Aubrey Lyles. It's where they met. He came from affluence. His parents were incredibly wealthy, yeah. and that was you know business owners. They were really kind of people that were very aware of trying to uplift the Black community and, you know, Miller actually had this plan that he was working towards to buy and own the first Black-owned Broadway theater. And right as he was working towards that, his business partner and creative partner, Aubrey Lyles, died uh, really unexpectedly and Not only did it put the brakes on the project, but it it also put him into like a financial tailspin because he had lost all this money in this venture. And when I think about the fact that there certainly are no Black-owned Broadway theaters and there has never been a Black-owned Broadway theater I just think about his sort of hopefulness and his ambition and his um, vision. Mm-hmm. And so I always feel like I, I'm a little bit of an ambassador for his story because he, you know, if the four of them are footnotes, you know, I think that, you know, he and Aubrey Lyles are like footnotes of the footnotes almost. <laughs> right. And so I, I I, really kind of enjoyed writing uh, writing him in the book. That makes sense.
1: If you were going to write a musical, what would you write it about?
0: Oh boy. Oh, if I were going to, you know, it's funny, the real, the real answer yeah. is there's a there's a movie that I I actually kind of like explored a little bit. Okay. Like trying to see if I could acquire what it what it would take to acquire rights to, okay. uh, to bring it to the stage. And it's it's a movie that is not like it's not a very well-known movie. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say what it is, but it's not Fine. a very well-known movie. Okay. And it's not a recent movie either. It's a movie like from the sixties, okay. but, but it is a movie that is like so ripe for the like mean girls, Beetlejuice, like, you know, like that sort of treatment. Yes. It's just, it's, it's a movie that is not a musical, but it is musical and, and fantastic in in its own right. And so I've, You know, tinkered around a little bit. That's my, you know, that's my big thing. I feel like it can happen. Watch this, watch this space.
1: I will. You heard it here first. I am (laughs) excited. Now, are you a musician?
0: I am not a musician. I am not a musician at all. I mean, I can carry a tune. I wouldn't say I'm a great singer, but I can carry a tune. Okay, good for you. I don't play though. No, not at all.
1: Okay, so you won't be composing the music for this one. No,
0: definitely (laughs) not. (laughs) 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 No. Listen, I, I will say, I, I, I pride myself on knowing my strengths and my limitations. <laughs> I, that is wisdom right there, if nothing
1: else, right? I really love... Ooh, okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mark that definitely to follow up on, because yeah. I would love to see... I love your passion for the theater, and obviously, how long have you been teaching?
0: I've been teaching for 16 years.
1: And do you enjoy it? I do. Yeah. What's your favorite part of teaching?
0: I think my favorite part is two things. Number one, I teach at the high school that I attended. Oh, so cool. So that's rewarding in and of itself. But then I think also when you have students that reach a level that, they didn't think that they could reach, whether that's in English class, whether that's in theater, whether that's in journalism. I, I, I do journalism as well. Like I think seeing the the kids be proud of themselves, mm-hmm. I think is something that I really never gets old. Never gets old.
1: Yes. That is a really wonderful thing to see. And what a gift that you're doing that with them. Okay. So I have two more things. This is going to be just a brief rabbit whole situation, rabbit trail, pardon me. Or whole I mean, depending on how it goes. <laughs> Could go down or to the side. <laughs> that's time, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. But um you have you have a little bit of comic side to you, Comic Con. Tell me about what you do with that. Are you just a fan? How did you get involved? I'm just curious.
0: So I've written a lot of just popular culture things I've written about back to the future. I've written about a Christmas story and Wee's playhouse and I've Pee-wee's written an article. Pee-wee. That was my, my first book was on Wee's playhouse actually. Really? Yeah, it was. <laughs> and so I just, I love the like fan culture like yes. I love fans. I don't know if this is like. So I'll I'll say like by way of analogy. I'm not a big sports person, but I really am fascinated by sports fan culture. Like, I oh just- yeah. I, uh, I watch people that like in other like, I don't know. I have a, I have a cousin who's, um, <laughs> I have a cousin who's a police officer. He'd be so mad if he knew that. I was I a cousin <laughs> a police officer who's like really into the giants and like, okay. I, like and he goes to these games in like everything. He's like, his grill in his backyard is like a giant's grill. He has like his beach towels, a giant. And I'm like, this is someone who's like, like a serious fellow in life. And like, but then on Sundays or Mondays or Thursday, like he's like, like a four-year-old, you know, like yes, that to me is kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, you know, similarly, I love when people are so into whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And in fact, to me, it's kind of like the more niche, like the better, you know, yes. <laughs> like, like you're so into this thing, but you're like, deep in it's been rabbit trail and now yes it's rabbit
1: yes i'm this is um, perfect
0: you know so i love being at conventions also you know i'm there usually with my books but sometimes i get panel discussions sometimes i do interviews you know yeah. i I, um, I moderate panels so that's they're like my people
1: i think that is so cool there's something so wonderful about be it sports fans or Marvel fans, or when you said Lord of the Ring Extended Edition earlier, I was like, oh, we watched all the special features when my husband and I were first married. We went deep into that. But this idea that there's such a joy in loving what you love Mm -hmm. and celebrating it, and I just... I think it's so... There's a wholesomeness and fun to it that you can see for a lot of people, you know, and some people obviously take it to a weird place, but I think it's just... It's so refreshing sometimes to see people enjoying and finding joy in that. So I love yeah. that.
0: And I think for me, it's one of the things that, you know, like, like anyone, I think when I was, you know, in middle school or whatever, I, you know, there were things that I, I liked that I, maybe I was more secretive than I liked, but, um, totally. I remember, oh my God, this is just like, now I'm just putting everything in the burn book here. And this, I love there it. was this one, uh, <laughs> this one person that like was like a friend of my mom's and like my mom agreed to like drop her off to school like we were like you know she like she was yes. dropped off in the morning and then yes i remember she was a couple grades older than me in elementary school and she was like you know i i like to watch barney in the morning but if you ever tell anyone <laughs> that i like to watch Bar-, like she would come over my house and like turn to turn to barney and, like <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, okay, all right, you know, whatever. You know, uh, whatever you're into. Um, but she was really uh, like so, like so paranoid that people would, would know that she liked Barney. I mean, at the time, it was yeah. probably the right call for her. <laughs> but, yes. but, you know, I laugh now because, you know, I I write books about, you know. Pee Wee Herman and and the Dark Crystal and all of these things that like I loved as a kid and I am so glad that I never fully lost that you mm-hmm. know because I don't know I mean in a, in a way I sort of feel like 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 I got the last laugh you know in a sense you know like I got to make this career writing about what I love and that's yeah. just that's just exciting to me I love that
1: a hundred percent I think that is. You did get the last laugh. And I also love that, and I don't know if you find this in your high school environment, but I feel like my kids are in high school and almost high school. There's so much more room for kids to like what they like. And you want to watch Barney in the morning? Great. Like, I mean, mine, still watch Cars, right? Which is one of my favorite movies of all time and takes me right back anyway. So I'm just, I love it too. But I just think it is nice to see that that space is there more. But yes, in terms of, the time we grew up in, like, who's laughing now? Yeah. Exactly. I'm laughing all the way to the bank, my friends. <laughs> Since, <laughs> yes. Mm. Okay, here's my last question for you. You can have a dinner party with three people anytime in history. I'll give you three to five if you have more, but three people, who would you invite?
0: Anytime in history. hmm Wow. And they have to come. They just have to come to my invite. Yeah. Um they- Yeah, it's <laughs> okay. it's obligatory. Okay, great, good. <laughs> Wow, any three people, or three to five, from yeah. history. <laughs> it's a no, tough, yeah, I really should have kept this. <laughs> no, 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 do you ask everyone this? Is this like a... Is no,
1: this? I only asked one other person so far, but she's a historian sort of person too, so I thought, ooh, this is a perfect okay. question
0: for them. But That's fair. So I'm yes. going to say... <laughs> do you ask everyone this? Do you do this to everyone? Do you do this? <laughs> Jeez. No, because I, I, <laughs> wanted, I wanted to cheat. I want to know what other people said. I mean... yes. So what's ringing in my head right now is I I feel like it's such a cheesy horrible answer, but I feel like I obviously would want to sit down with with my four guys from Shuffle Along. I mean that's yeah. like that's like a definite, and I yes. and I think because I would just need to see the dynamics of the four of them together. Ooh. You know, I it's funny or interesting to me that this was the only project that they worked on together. They very quickly then, you know, they were two duos that met and worked together on this project, and then they split up and went their own ways. The four of them were all completely different than the other ones. I mean, you know, there were no two of that quartet that were the same. And I will forever be fascinated that this show happened and worked. Mm. And so, I think I would just want to... Just watch them interact, because I would love to know how these four disparate people made something so spectacular. So it feels like a cop-out, but it's not really. It's a sincere answer.
1: I will allow it, and I agree. I think that that makes total sense, because I have that, you know, we were talking earlier about individual lives. And so to actually have the sense of a person and how that worked together, my, my inner sociologist really likes that. So... That was an excellent answer. Okay. You, yes, (laughs) I know. So when 3.0 comes out of this book, (laughs) I'll have you back and then you can add one more person. Okay.
0: It'll be fair perfect. Enough. Fair enough. The <laughs> well, person inside Barney, whoever that was. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Yes.
1: <laughs> or someone from Pee Wee's Playhouse. I feel like someone totally unrelated that you just drop in there to see yeah. kind of what happens, right? They're like all fun people. through.
0: The person who played John B. the Genie just passed away like a couple years ago, and he was Ooh. a really nice person. Very talented person, actually. Yeah. His name is John Paragon. And you should look him up because we've, you know, we've only ever been familiar with just his head in the box, but <laughs> right. he was like an amazing physical comedian. So worth worth looking him up on YouTube.
1: I will look him up. I really... Oh, I love, I love a project for the afternoon. Just there a little you know. rabbit hole to go down. <laughs> well, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you for writing a valuable book that's important and just is such a... It feels like a blueprint for how we think about just the things that have been lost over time or relegated to the margins. So I'm so thankful and... I love the questions you ask here and I can't wait for others to find it.
0: Thank you so much. This has been a pleasure.
1: My pleasure. Thanks again. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Ask a Librarian. As always, it's my joy to share and learn with you. You can follow me on Instagram at Words, or you can go to my website, julierightswords.com. There you'll find the show notes, including all the books mentioned in the episode. See you in the stacks next week. And until then, friends, never go anywhere without a book.